0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Miao Show.
1: You should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull****.
0: It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting that. Kennedy, I've caused harm to the political agenda...
3: Happy Wednesday, hump day, humpity hump, hump day. I don't know why people have so many names for the days, but uh, that's what that's what I do. I just kind of connect with days with how people describe what they're feeling, I I guess. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Thanks so much for joining us behind the glass and doing producer type things. Is Miss Jax. We're going to call her Jax from now on, and so she's um, she's doing her thing. Um, today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. By the way, it's tax season, so if you need to do your taxes still, you have until April 15th, consider doing it with H&R Block because for each new client referral, San Francisco Pride gets $20. Visit sfpride.org for more information. We're going to jump right into the show today. We have a full show, uh, an interesting interview with the Benham Brothers. For those who uh, don't remember, well, they're two um, uh, described by the media as anti-gay Christians who lost, lost their HGTV show because of a comment that they made. So let's jump into it. David, Jason, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah. Glad to be here.
3: You know, I was doing my homework, and uh, I was like, okay, one has a a hot scruff on his face and the other, you know, shaves. Now you both have some facial hair. I can't tell you apart.
1: (laughs) Well, if if something that we say strikes you as profound, it came from David. If (laughs) it strikes you as odd, it came from Jason.
3: You got it, awesome. All right, so most people know you as the extremely charismatic, good-looking CrossFit workout buddies brothers, twin brothers, who hosted a show Flip It Forward, which was supposed to air on HGTV before they pulled it for an anti-gay comment. Um, and uh, it was it was Right Wing Watch actually who made the comment public. So, David, I think that comment came from you on a radio station. If we could just go to the very beginning. Um, you know, what what exactly was that comment?
1: Well, we don't tell anybody we're anti-gay. We're not anti-gay. We're not anti-anything. We're pro-Jesus. We're pro-values. We're pro-boundaries as the Bible speaks about them, specifically when it comes to sex within the confines of marriage and also when life begins. So we're pro-life and we're pro-marriage, which makes us anti-women, anti-gay, according to today's cultural police. So uh, the comments that Jason and I made, or me specifically, um, were in the context of a prayer service in 2012, the night before the Democratic National Convention. Jason and I hosted this prayer service, and it was called Charlotte 714, and it was in the spirit of Second Chronicles 714, which it's a Bible verse that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so it was in that prayer service, 9,000 Christians showed up. It was an amazing service. 150 churches were present. And I talked about the sins of our nation were first the sins of the church, and that the church, we are the ones, Christians, are the ones that have devalued marriage with divorce and pornography and adultery and all these other things. And I said, and as a result, we have all kinds of sexual promiscuity and perversion in the culture, including an agenda that's attached to homosexuality that is seeking to rob the nation. And so this is where I was talking about that in its context. If you pull those comments out of context, like several activist publications do, they say that we were leading an anti-gay rally. That is not the truth at all. It was crazy they even say that. And you know, the other interesting thing is Right Wing Watch didn't make any of those comments public. They were already public. And HGTV already knew all about those. So it was nothing new to them.
3: And, uh, you know, I bring up that I wanted to go to the very beginning because it basically leads to where we're at today. Since the cancellation of the television show, I know that you have a book out. Um, it's whatever the cost. It's it's titled Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Dreams, Dying to Your Dreams and Living Powerfully. And you basically chronicle what happened from that point on to today. Right. And you kind of uh, talk about your journey, talk about your faith.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and. The title of the book is actually Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Fears, Dying to Your Dreams, and Living Powerfully. And what we did was we chronicled our story, essentially, from the time that our dad got saved to the point where HGTV fired us. And, uh, and, and we were able to take the reader through our own professional sports background and through our cataclysmic business success and explain the principles through which we built our companies and we run our families and and everything and and the same thing that got us fired with hgtv also got us hired with hgtv it was running our lives and our businesses according to biblical principle and our and our book covers all of that
3: now i want to go back to a comment that you made about the cultural police and this uh the you know the agenda right so right wing watch and glad glad being an lgbt inclusive uh media organization were part of the action of bringing attention to your biblical biblical views and to your faith, and you both describe their actions as part of this homosexual agenda. I mean, let's talk about that agenda. What exactly do you mean when you when you talk about you know these groups having an agenda?
1: First of all, we don't call it a homosexual agenda. Uh, you'll see on uh, O'Reilly Factor and various other networks that we were on. We talk about the agenda to silence because it's not, it's just Homosexuality happens to be the lifestyle that this agenda has attached to. And now it's if you disagree with that lifestyle, which, according to the Bible, that lifestyle, as well as as well as many other lifestyles that even Jason and I've, you know, we're sinners too, just like anyone else, that, that we have to come underneath um, the the standards of the scripture. And so what's happening in America today is it's not the presence of darkness that's the issue. it's the absence of light. And the fact that if someone is willing to say, hey, marriage is between a man and a woman, or hey, sex is meant to be within the confines of marriage, just like fire in a fireplace. When we were on Megyn Kelly, we explained that uh, sex is much like fire in a fireplace. I mean, once you take fire out of the fireplace, it's dangerous and burns the house down. But in the fireplace, it's very healthy. It's romantic. It heats your food. It warms up your home. And, And so that's really our standard. Now, we base that standard on an absolute standard according to the scripture. Now, for Americans, we've had that standard in place for more than two centuries. But now, today, unfortunately, that standard has been removed. So if you stand on that standard, you now become extremists or anti whatever it is that they say that, the, that that's the lifestyle that's accepted for the day. So we're just not going to buy that narrative, but we by no means. We'll never, nor have we ever, been mean to an individual person, not one accusation of that. So it's just a lying narrative that's uh, trying to create uh, people to try to disassociate themselves with guys like us.
3: But do you see at all, you know, as far as, like, the context of the comments that you made in your beliefs? And, and again, I, I never like to have uh, conversations about beliefs because there are so many different beliefs here in this country, right? But if we talk about, you know— um, if we talk about the context of if you compare LGBTQ people or gay or lesbians to Satan or, or demons, how that could be hurtful or how that could also you know be dangerous to this idea of civil liberties or freedoms here in this country, what do you think?
1: Now, now we would never compare the individuals to demons. That's, see, you've got to understand, adultery, lying, cheating, stealing are all a byproduct of sin. And when you're walking in sin, you're under the influence of Satan and the demons. This is clearly biblical. This is not some new teaching. So we talk about the spiritual struggle between good and evil. So it doesn't matter whether you're engaged in homosexuality or whether you're engaged in adultery. That's darkness. That's wrong. And Jesus comes, and he comes to give life. It says in the Scripture that the devil comes to rob, kill, and to destroy. And he does that through our lifestyle choices that we make. And so we keep the message central on Christ. Now, it, context, it doesn't matter where you're speaking, whether you're in a prayer service, whether you're at um, over dinner with somebody, whether you're—it doesn't matter what the context is in terms of speaking good and evil. That's the, the thing that we have to understand here, <clears throat> and it's important for you to understand this as well when you say you don't like to talk about beliefs. Everybody has beliefs, no matter what we're saying, we're talking about beliefs. I don't think you probably like disagreements over beliefs, but that's okay because anytime you silence one person's opinion, all intellectual and spiritual progress stops. And that's what Jason and I are really talking about here in America today, is it's not wise for us in this country to silence the opinions, especially of folks that are holding to opinions that have been accepted for several thousand years.
3: I think this is great, and thank you for, for saying that. Uh, this show probably is the most progressive or liberal show that you have guys agreed to come on, so I thank you. Uh, for doing that, and I think we're having a great conversation about beliefs. I don't know if
1: it's the most aggressive. We're, we've been on Alan Combs a couple of times, and we truly enjoy it. We well, absolutely love Alan. We're doing <laughs> well, thumbs up to him.
3: Progressive, as in like, you know, on the liberal, much more liberal side. I don't even know if you've done any LGBT media, but let's have an open conversation because I can truly see, you know, where you're coming. I really don't think that you guys are hateful people or that you hate gay or lesbians. What I think Oftentimes, we, when we talk about God and Christianity, is we have this uh, disagreement about sexual orientation and that word lifestyle. Um, you know, for me, being gay is, is not a choice. And so I wanted to ask you, when you said that you don't hate gays, what exactly do you guys mean by that?
1: Well, when we say we don't hate gays, we don't hate people. Because every person is made in the image of God. That's right. You are, I am, this guy is. I probably hate him more than I hate you. <laughs> Whatever. But, but uh, God loves all people. He doesn't love all ideas. And here's one of the difficult things that we found, and this is why our heart breaks for, for folks that were raised in this humanistic type thinking, is that the fourth point of the Humanist Manifesto talks about how humanists ardently reject the traditional view of the dualistic nature of man, which essentially is kind of a cute way of saying the idea and the individual is the same thing. So if I disagree with, with an idea that you have that manifests itself as a behavior, then I must disagree with you as a person. And I don't. I would, I would have you, and we invited the leader of Right Ring Watch, Human Rights Campaign, uh, glad all to our house for dinner. I had a homosexual couple at my house for dinner several months ago with my kids. We had a great time talking. And uh, yeah, I believe that God does have a better way for folks who are caught in sexual sin and don't think that it's actual sin, think it's an orientation. God has a better way. And uh, God loves you just like you are, but yeah. he refuses to leave you that way. Here's another th- uh, important point Okay, uh, Jason brings up is that you know, we're, we're actually writing uh, and we're, we're constantly trying to encourage Christians around the nation that, look, we can jump into these debates, but we really have to love people. And, and if we love people, that's that's the symbol of your Christian life is, is they said it says scripture says they'll know you are Christians by your love. And you have to love people. And that does not mean you have to embrace all their ideas and all their behaviors. And we don't accept that for our own selves. I don't accept the fact that I have adulterous tendencies or longings at times. I reject those longings. Uh, and in the same way, we talk about that with the homosexual lifestyle. But we still love people. And that's the way that all Christians should be. And you know what? The Christians that we know, that's the way they are.
3: See, I and I can feel it. I can feel the compassion in your heart. And I, I do feel the love, which is why I think that there will be a sequel to, to the books you already have written. And the sequel will include, you know, education that uh, you two will have about LGBTQ issues so that we can better understand each other. And that's what I'm hoping. it And I mean, I was going to go back and ask you about what was said or what was the, the uh, discussion when you had the couple, the gay couple over at your house. Um, and and what do you think the discussion would have been if a member of GLAD or Right Wing Watch had, in fact, taken you up on that invitation to have dinner?
1: Well, you know what we discussed? Travel. We <laughs> talked a lot about travel. We talked a lot about design.
3: Never. We need
1: help with design. Yeah, and I need help <laughs> with travel, too. And, uh, and so that's what it was about. I, I never quoted one Bible verse or anything like that because— uh, one of these guys is actually very close to our family, and, um, and we love him. He's not a project of mine. They know what we believe, and it's important that they know what we believe because I, I believe that by God's grace through Jesus Christ, we have the answer to all of life's problems, and that's given through God's Word. And so if I don't speak about those things for fear of hurting someone's feelings— well then, I'm not being a very loving friend, and so he knows what we believe. But that conversation was nothing about travel and design, and it was it was actually a really good time.
3: That's awesome. I mean, I'm glad to hear, and uh, I'm sure there will be a gay couple or plenty of gay couples who want to help you guys with design. And we got I have a few more questions for you. I know we're okay, running ahead. up against time, but I'm 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 I, do, I am curious to find out in your book. I mean, about your journey, but I'm hoping at the end that there's this this um that you understand that also you know by by uh the discussions that are had on on shows like the 700 Club with Pat Robertson and a few other religious leaders that the conversation about gays and lesbians here today is uh, is hurtful and so there are organizations out there you know who make it who make it their life's mission to fight for the, for our lives and for equality for you know whatever the cost just like the same thing that you guys are talking about. I mean, does that make sense to you guys at all?
1: Oh, absolutely it does. And um I would say this, if I defined myself by what I did and someone were to come up to me and criticize what I did, then the, I would find that very hurtful. But by God's grace, we don't have to define ourselves by what we do. We don't have to define ourselves by our behavior or what we're naturally inclined to do, we define ourselves by who we are and who we were created to be. And the Bible is specific about that. God is the one who defines gender. God is the one who defines sexuality. And by God's grace, I, have to define, I get a chance to define myself by what he does. And so I can understand why, folks, this is where, as Christians, before we speak like what I just spoke, we need to actually have hearts who really love the people that we're speaking to. Because if I didn't have a heart of compassion for you or for anybody else that may struggle with, with homosexuality, well, then I'm going to come across as a hater and, and I, I don't want to be like and that. And he'd need to just keep his mouth shut. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, and, and this is what I would encourage you, and I ask you to help us. Okay. You should see our Twitter feed.
3: You're listening to The Michelle Miao Show. We have to take a quick break, but we'll continue with the Benham Brothers right after this.
0: Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do, and I love the people I work with. But work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the
3: Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life, a special message by Weatherford BMW.
0: Last year, we did not get you your billion back. We got you your billions back. So many billions, we started thinking, this isn't tax season. This is refund season. And nobody gets more of your money back than block. Guaranteed. Get your billions back, America.
2: You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com.
1: And now, back to the Michelle Miao Show.
3: Welcome back to the show. Michelle Meow. here. Let's continue our interview with the Benham Brothers.
1: You should just take a... a a peek through what we get on Twitter every single day. Hundreds from uh, different parts of America, just accusing us and saying all kinds of vitriol, sending us images and pictures of things that are absolutely horrendous. And I say, where's the tolerance there? Where's the the love there? I, I would like for some folks like yourself to kind of speak up for us and say hey guys stop doing that stuff let's not let's not vilify these guys let's yeah. be american let's okay, be civil yeah. although we have been told we look like the villains <laughs> on tangled the two twin brothers
3: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i i i feel like there would be a lot of uh, men at least in my community who who would not say you look like villains but you know something else <laughs> Something more something more hot, you know, or something like that. But um, on a much more serious note, I would love to keep the conversation open. Open. Yes. I don't think that we should vilify Christians, but I'm hoping that, you know, Christians, especially, you know, fundamental Christians um, do understand that there are gay Christians as well. So, like, what would you say to a gay Christian who isn't accepted by, you know, your standards and your biblical views?
1: Well, I would say... I'm sorry, I hope I didn't interrupt you.
3: No, 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 please.
1: Um, I would say the first thing that you have to do is define gay. Um, You know, Socrates says, you know, before we begin to converse, let's define our terms. And so we have to get to an agreement on what gay means. I do believe that if there are people who struggle with same-sex attractions and it's something maybe they've, they've dealt with in the past and they've overcame those and they come in a spirit of repentance to the Lord, yes, you can be a Christian. But for someone that says that I have a certain lifestyle and I'm not willing to forsake that whatever the cost for my faith, well, then, no, you can't. And But you know what? That's, that's where David and I, we write this book, and we said there are some folks that have forsaken their own desires for same-sex attractions and for same-sex people. They've paid a greater price yeah. for their faith than we have yeah. in losing a reality TV show, that's and right. I applaud them.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach for you guys here. And it's, it's, you know, being a lesbian, it's it's who I am. Sexual orientation is different from a lifestyle. I didn't choose to be a lesbian. And sometimes, like when I talk to Christians, we talk about, you know, gay sex, for example, you know, my, my partner and I cuddle. And if that's, you know, demonic, or you know, against God's words, I mean, that's, it doesn't make me feel good because at the end of the day, it's just about love. And I know that you guys had mentioned also in an interview, you know, that it you have love, you have compassion. Um, these are all characteristics of who I am. I, I almost feel like we have a lot in common. We just define things differently. What are your thoughts? Well,
1: okay, so a, a couple things real quick. No, number one, we have to, we have to, as human beings kind of get into each other's lives and into each other's worlds. And that's one of the reasons why Jason and I really enjoy meals uh, with folks that don't agree with us and things like this. But we base our beliefs on what we consider to be an absolute standard. And so we base it on the scriptures. And the scriptures are what define sexuality, human sexuality. No matter how you define it or we define it, the scriptures define sexuality. So. When we base our beliefs on an absolute standard, that's not being hateful to you. That's actually being loving and true to who we are on the inside. And so the, 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 the Apostle Paul speaks in the book of First Corinthians. He's talking to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth at the time, I mean, the, the, the actual city of Corinth was very pagan. And uh, you had Roman, you, you had pagans in Rome. I mean, pagans everywhere. And the Apostle Paul is introducing this whole concept of celibacy. And he talks about adultery and homosexuality. He talks about lying and cheating and stealing and all of these, these things that these pagans really didn't really probably have a problem with. And the Apostle Paul then said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, But such were some of you. You were washed. You were sanctified you were justified in the name of the in, in the name of Jesus Christ. So that to us that is the most that's the best way we can show love is to say look at how we were cleansed on the inside. This is what the word of God says and you can experience the same. Now, unfortunately, for you, if you read that, you feel that that's condemning or you feel that maybe that's not loving or something like that. That's not an exchange between the two of us. That's an exchange between you and God and you'll find that as you seek Christ according to His word, you will find Him, and you will realize that He truly does love you.
3: Okay, well, I will go to your house, and we're going to have dinner.
1: I uh, would love that.
3: I mean, I'm dangerous though because I'm pretty charismatic too, and your, I love it. Your your wife and your kids will love me. I'm super funny, and we're going to have a conversation about Christianity and the LGBTQ community. Is and, that okay? And I
1: want all five of my kids to be there, please. Awesome, awesome, I would love
3: that. Awesome, I love kids. So my last question to you, because you know, but. Because I think that it's important to discuss this, especially with Christians. I mean, you know, marriage equality is here, and it will probably be here and recognized in 50 states. And so for Christians, I mean, it sounds like you do accept the LGBTQ community. You accept us, that we are here, and, and you see us. We're visible. Um you we're know you're how, human beings. We're human beings. Yeah. So love, what, what is the course of work for you next? I mean, will it be to continue to, to, to be on the Pat Robertson show and talk about LGBTQ people, you know, without compassion or what is it? What's next for you guys? We'll be,
1: we will be on any show that will take us. I don't care who it is. If Bill Maher wants us on, <laughs> we actually sent him a thank you letter for talking about us on his show. We'll go on any show. It doesn't matter to us as long as we're, we get a chance to speak the truth. And, um, so the thing is, is that, Jason, and we're not policy guys. If you go back to the first century, um, the, the, the Christians in the first century, I mean, Rome was very pagan. But in 300 years, Christians living out their faith, standing boldly on the truth, loving people to Jesus. It was their charity and their chastity that really won the day. Uh, by 314 A.D., Constantine's like, OK, we, the Christianity is a great religion and we need to embrace Christianity. So it's just a, you know, it's almost like Christians in America. We just press a little reset button and say, you know, politically, the scripture is very clear that the government is a minister of God. So Christians do need to be involved politically. But those of us that are not involved politically, we don't have to just hang up on policy. We can go out and continue living out our faith every single day. And you know what? We really believe that our greatest days are ahead. And this is why my brother and I, we both we, we speak a lot and we tell folks the title of our book, Whatever the Costs, it's a message that resonates. It's a tenet of the faith. It's also a tenet of our American citizenship. But to, to approach Jesus, I remember reading a story about a rich young ruler, and you've probably read this story as well. And, and he comes and asks Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, it says in Mark 10, it says, Jesus felt love for this man. And the minute he felt love for this man, he told this man he had to be willing to give up everything in order to experience the kingdom of God in his life, in order to experience eternal life. And then it said, this man walked away disheartened. So love, the love of Jesus actually ripped this man's heart right out because Jesus told him the very thing that he didn't want to hear. And what he said was, your ideas, your, your own tendencies, the only way, the way you think that you you're already made, all of those things, you've got to be willing to let those go, define yourself by me, and then you can experience the kingdom of heaven. And so, whatever the cost, if we're not willing to to let go of everything, then uh, then Jesus says that we have to find a different way. And David and I would say there's only one way, and that's Jesus. And and it's got to begin with us. We, we can't stand right. on a self-righteous high horse. Yeah, you got to live like this. No way. Because he's this an is, idiot. Yeah, no, he's trust got issues. I am. I am well, an idiot. Well,
3: David and Justin, I mean, I think we both agree. I, I'm sorry, Jason. I answered both names. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and <laughs> David.
3: Um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think we can agree on something, you know, and that is the love for, for God and for Jesus. So I can't take that away from you, but we will have dinner, right?
1: Yes, sure. you got it. All Good right.
3: You got it. The Benham Brothers, they are the author uh, authors of Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Fears. I said dreams earlier, but it's facing your fears, dying to your dreams, and living powerfully. And like I said, hopefully there will be a sequel uh, to this first initial book in which maybe I make a cameo. Maybe there will be discussions about LGBTQ people in that second book. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us here today.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, and, and make sure you get on Twitter and start giving us a little love, okay?
3: I, I will get on Twitter, and I, I will speak to you guys, so you have I to promise it. that you'll talk back. Yes, we will. <laughs> to you, we
1: will, for sure.
3: All right, so continue on with the uh, wad. By the way, what's the wad of the day today?
1: Well, today it was 200-meter run, six uh, power cleans with 155 pounds, 12 toes to bar, where you hang in from the bar and you got to take your toes and touch up where your hands are, and then 18 kettlebell swings, three rounds. I did it in seven minutes and 20 seconds. I beat him.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. See, if my girlfriend was here, she'd she'd probably participate with you guys. Yeah, she's a big CrossFit nut as well. So. You need to be doing it. Uh, yeah, I. You'll love
1: it. I like kickboxing and
3: ballet. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. I know you've got kids and uh, a lot of things going. So thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do, and I love the people I work with. But work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but
3: thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life. A special message by Weatherford BMW.
0: Last year, we did not get you your billion back. We got you your billions back. So many billions, we started thinking, this isn't tax season, this is refund season. And nobody gets more of your money back than block. Guaranteed.
3: Get your billions back, America! Gay Vanity Wedding Show returns to the Bentley Reserve Sunday, April 19th with a San Francisco-style fashion show and aisles of vendors. You'll come away with ideas for a wedding that represents the unique personalities of the two of you. Buy tickets at GayVanityWeddingShow.com. Welcome back to the show. Michelle Meow here. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday, this this nice, fine Wednesday that could be considered hashtag woman crush Wednesday. I'm not posting any because <laughs> I yeah, yeah I don't know. Whatever. I don't even know how that, that came to be. Thanks so much again for joining us. I know that the interview was quite interesting with the Benham brothers. So a little later, I will. I will talk with Jax. We'll discuss what our thoughts are on the interview. Our next guest is Melanie Nathan. She's the editor of Oblog D, Oblog Da, also with an organization called African HRC or African Human Rights Coalition. She's a human rights activist, an attorney, and an amazing friend. Uh, And she's here with us. Melanie, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you, Michelle, for having me on. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's great to have you on from time to time just because you do so much work, so much reporting on what's going on with LGBTQ lives. And after a conversation like the one I just had with the Benham brothers, I, I think it's also very important to be visible and to expose, you know, the harm and dangers of, uh, you know, right wing groups who, who just right. don't understand, you know, what's at stake here and, and, and our lives you know, that's the cost of saying such dangerous things in the media, right?
4: I, I absolutely agree. Um, did you see what's going on with this uh, attorney in um, Orange County, Matthew McLaughlin, who has put forward this thing called uh, a ballot initiative in California called the Sodomite Suppression Act? Have you discussed that at
3: all? Yeah, we just uh, we mentioned it the other day, but we didn't get into it. And my understanding now is that uh, Cal- because of you know California law and, and how we do things or process things, this actually has to go to ballot in Californians or he has to get a certain amount of signatures.
4: Yeah, he needs something like three hundred and sixty-five thousand eight hundred and eighty signatures. <laughs> Do you think that uh, he could get that many signatures in California?
3: Absolutely not. But you know, I think that the intention for him, at least, was some attention, and he sure did get some attention. I guess you know, if that was that was what he wanted, that's what he got. And but yeah. then at the same time, uh, my understanding is there's a California activist who has a response to that, right?
4: yeah I did hear about that. Um, what I find also interesting though is that state Senator Mark Leno, for example, I'm not sure if he's spearheading it, but I know he's involved in calls to disbar from the California state bar this particular attorney. I mm-hmm. mean people have been saying things like you've got to be totally insane mm-hmm. to have um, put this forward in the first place um you know the, the, he actually drafts the legislation and The way he starts off wording it is the abominable crime against nature known as buggery, also called sodomy, is a monstrous evil that Almighty God, giver of freedom and liberty, commands us to suppress on pain of our utter destruction, even as he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how the legislation starts. Oh,
3: wow. Um and and see that that is a perfect conversation for us to have have because in my previous discussion with the benham brothers i mean they cite you know the bible and scriptures and this is their you know, belief, right? This is their Mm, faith. And they, they, and then when you have groups who speak up against, you know, what they say publicly regarding their faith, they look at that like, you know, there's this gay agenda or there's this agenda or this uh, group of LGBT people who are powerful and who attack freedom of speech or freedom of religion. You know, what are what, you know, for someone like you, who's, who's out there in the media, who's constantly, having to uh, combat these types of, of things that, you know, the right-wing groups are saying, what would be your response to someone who would say that to you? Like, Melanie, you know, you're a part of Gay Inc. and and you, right. you find certain information about me to take me down just because I believe in God.
4: You know, that's interesting because I've noticed over the years, for many years now, when you look back, it's always the oppressor who purports to be the victim. And it's just an insidious way of trying to defend, um, you know, the fact that one is an oppressor. They refuse to look at it like that. So it's almost like a, a projection, and they put it out there as if they are the victim. And this is age old, and what these people do is they try and have you believe that you are suppressing their religious freedom. What I don't understand about that, and I, and this is often a response of mine, is you absolutely have your right to practice your religion. You go build your church building, you go inside it, and you pray to your God, and everything's great. But when you bring it outside of your church building and try and impose your religion on other people, it's actually the other way around. It's you who are abusing your religious freedoms by oppressing me and my civil rights, which ought to be separate. Right, And so I, I don't buy this victimhood on their part. Nobody is stopping any of these people from praying in their churches. And if a gay person is not welcome in a particular church, then he's not going to go there. He's going to go somewhere where he is, in fact, welcome. So really, these people are not being hurt in any way, shape, or form, and their religious freedoms are not being tampered with at all. They have their First Amendment rights, and nobody interferes with that either. But when they start lobbying and oppressing LGBT equality and legislation, they become the oppressor within the context of their religious freedom. Michelle Meow, we're speaking with Melanie Nathan,
3: who's the editor of Oblog D, Oblog Da, also a human rights activist, and she is the executive director of African HRC or African Human Rights Coalition. And, and speaking of African HRC in and, and a country like Uganda, it reminds me of, you know, the, the anti-gay pastor Scott Lively, in which Melanie, you and I have had lengthy discussions about. And he, you know, has cried that whole same, it's the gay agenda who are attacking me, you know, because now he's facing an actual lawsuit, right?
4: Yes, he is. Um, the Centre for Constitutional Rights is, has instituted a legal action against him under the um, uh, Alien Tort Act, which allows foreigners to sue an American on U.S. soil for harm that the foreigner that that has been caused to the foreigner in their country, so this organization, um, a coalition of groups from Uganda, are in effect suing Scott Lively for his persecution and involvement in the persecution of LGBTI people in Uganda. Um, You know, the case is still a way to go. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be heard, um, but he is one who is playing victim when in fact he went to Uganda and was actively involved. Um, in trying to bring about the Kill the Gays bill. He tried to step back from the death penalty aspect of it, but he was uh, really very, very involved in what happened there, and now he's being sued for it. Um, Whether they will be successful or not, I don't know, but it's really good that he is being brought to task because it's highlighting how harmful this uh, could be, the ramifications to the LGBTI people in Uganda from what he and other fundamentalists went and did there has, has been huge. The repercussions have been tremendous. It's so
3: interesting when I apply this all back to the various conversations I've had with Christian leaders and those who are willing to talk to me, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, yeah, they come on the show and and it's interesting, you know, and and obviously, you know, my style, it's uh, I'll let you talk, you know, may not be what I agree upon, but I let you talk Um, is that, you know, they all say that they they love, they don't hate gay people. They just don't agree with our lifestyle and they keep using that. And I I don't Mm -hmm. really think that they understand understand or, or or it's that their faith is so cemented in what the bible says that they they don't i don't think that they'll ever get it and I, yeah. you know i
4: don't know i don't know well, it, do it, you remember when you and i had that discussion we we debated um I debated David Bahati, the author of the Kill the Gays Bill, on your show one time. And he was, there was no swaying him. I mean, I've spoken to him many times. He's very rooted in a very fundamental way of interpreting Scripture. And even some of the Scripture that is interpreted um, fundamentally and, and, and in an evangelical kind of way, um, might not even read to him the way it would read to me and you, but if you contextualize it, um, you would see how there are different ways to interpret different things, but these people can't see that at all. They're very cemented in their their viewpoint. Um, I think a lot of these people are repressed homosexuals who seek comfort um, in looking at things in a fundamental way and an excuse for them not to um, express their own freedom of sexuality and so they take the on the other side and have tremendous fear about um, their own sexuality. I, I believe a lot of these people are probably LGBTI themselves who fight this so vehemently and so hard. You know, there's got to be a, a broader psychological reason For the lengths that these people go to, that they can't just simply leave other people alone to live their lives, that they have to be so profoundly excited about other people's lives.
3: I really appreciate that you intelligently said that in a very motherly way, because (laughs) the only way I would respond to that is, you know, some of them are way too good looking to... (laughs) <laughs> be, oops, sorry, that could be considered slander or libel, but, you know, and I look at the Benham brothers, I'm like, I think they're using the same face moisturizer as I am. Um, and, you know... Maybe like, Dolce
4: and Gabbana, <laughs> <I don't>
3: know. <laughs> oh, right, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Dolce and Gabbana, totally interesting gay folks, right, who uh, discriminate yeah. against <laughs> their own kind.
4: Well, let's they move... They find themselves an ally there, that's for sure.
3: Right. Well, let's move on from, you know, these, uh, these guys who continue to attack. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, I do think that there are a group of other LGBT groups who do play dirty. Um, I will admit to that. And I know that you're one of the you know, media people out there or activists out there who do not play. You don't talk as dirty, but you do play in a very intelligent way. You have facts to back up what you say. Um, <laughs> so let's move on to your work. You know, I wanted I wanted to check in with you and uh, give us some updates on what you're working on.
4: Oh, I appreciate that, Michelle. Thank you so much. Um, well, right now we're working avidly with LGBTI people in Africa who have been forced into exile because of their sexuality and the criminalization of the laws, um, the criminalization of their sexuality and homosexuality laws in their countries and uh, you know rhetoric that's amped up by presidents threatening to decapitate people like... President Chameh in the Gambia. We have several Gambians on the run right now. We're trying to work with UNHCR to expedite possible resettlement of people who have been impacted in this way. Um, Other work we do is with LGBT asylum seekers. Um, I have a lesbian couple that recently arrived from an African country. Um, I'm about to put out a press release this week. Um, They are probably going to be the first Lesbian asylum seeking couple to get married at San Francisco City Hall. Wow. Um, Yeah, so that's, you're the first to hear it. Um, And that will probably happen later on in April. Uh, It's very difficult getting support from our community to host house people who arrive here with absolutely nothing, who have fled tremendous persecution, persecution by family, persecution by community, persecution by clergy, um, by government. Um, we don't have enough, by the way, of resources to help people like this, so that's a big challenge. That's the kind of work we're doing right now, not, not much, by the way, of dollars, uh, designated for direct humanitarian services for our refugee friends in Africa and our refugees who end up being resettled here, or our asylum seekers that land up here in the United States of America. So this is the kind of work we're doing. We're also doing some advocacy work and um, African HRC has started an ambassador program which we're hoping to get some funding for and that ambassador program hones the leadership skills of African LGBTI people in their own countries and those in exile to help each other case manage whatever's going on in terms of having to find safe shelter, food, medical help, as well as uh, redevelopment in terms of employment or exile strategy. So this is the work we've been doing. It sounds so
3: amazing. And again, you know, prior of the reason why I know for a fact that you were selected as San Francisco Pride's Grand Marshal last year, um, in which, you know, hopefully, maybe they'll they'll give you a, an award every year for the work that you do. <laughs> are, are there any plans? I know last year you tried to get a group of Ugandans together to march here during the parade, but any, any yeah. uh, plans at all for San Francisco Pride this year?
4: You know, I haven't. I've been asked by quite a few people to put a contingent together again, and we're considering doing that. Um, it was quite a bit of work last year. But what's really interesting is last year, we tried to bring several people from different African countries together to come and march with me in my contingent. And as it turned out, they were denied visas by the State Department. And um, that certainly gave us an advocacy tool. We, we didn't think that they would necessarily get visas but you know what's really interesting is some of those people have actually made their way to the USA since then and so if we did have a contingent, the people that we were not able to have March last year, we might be able to have March with us this year which would be awesome. So that's something that we're certainly going to look at doing.
3: Melanie, thank you so much for joining us here today and giving us the updates on your very important work and your thoughts on uh, Christian right wing groups who say, you know, horrible things about LGBTQ people out there in the media.
4: Thanks, Michelle, so much for having me
3: on. To find more information about Melanie Nathan and the uh, to support the work that she does in African HRC, you can find her also on Facebook, Melanie Nathan Advocacy, or head to her blog, oblogdoblogda.me. The Michelle Meow Show continues all right after this.
2: listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com.
0: Hi, I'm Marsha Levine, and I'm the parade manager for San Francisco Pride. The thing about working for San Francisco Pride, or really any Pride, is that you're creating a space, a venue, an opportunity for somebody who lives someplace where they're not as free to be LGBT, to come out, be with others like them, identify, and feel a sense of community as well as freedom. If. Pride can do that for just one person and make them feel a part of something instead of making them feel like they're alone. That's why I continue to work on Pride to this day. I think that San Francisco especially is a freelancer's dream. It's one of the best cities where you can come and you can work on contract for as little or as much as you want to. It's a a big part of what I do to be able to afford to live in San Francisco. Savings really important. San Francisco is not an inexpensive place to live and when you have extraordinary circumstances cropped up like illness or other expenses, repairs and things like that. If you don't have the savings, that could really affect your ability to remain a viable member of San Francisco's residence.
2: Spotlight on Success and Achievement, brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. And now, back to the Michelle Miao Show.
3: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here. Michelle Miao, your host, and our producer, Jax. Say hello, Jax. Hello. <laughs> so it's interesting, you know, I got Melanie Nathan's, um, uh, I got her thoughts on the Benham brothers and also those, you know, of Christian faith who say certain things publicly about the LGBTQ community. But maybe for, I, I'd like to hear from you. I mean, you know, you're young, just graduated college, What are your thoughts about, you know, being Christian, but in in this whole idea of like their faith does not believe in, you know, homosexuality and all that stuff? I'd like to
5: start by saying they definitely look like the villains from Tangled. (laughs) I watched about 10 minutes of that the other night. It's weird. It's really creepy. Um, On a more serious note, I, it just makes me cringe, um, I don't really understand trying to push your faith on someone or pointing at someone saying, you are wrong because I think this. And that's just such a narrow-minded, everyone must think like me kind of mentality.
3: Do you think that, you know, listening to the interview, that genuinely, I mean, if I went to go have dinner with them, that I would enjoy the conversation, I would enjoy my time, that they would fully accept me? I got kind of a Stepford vibe, kind of that really
5: trying to be genuine but those smiles were just plastered on their face. I don't know if it would be enjoyable.
3: Oh, maybe I'm just too trusting of people, <laughs> but
5: <laughs> I'm nervous for you to go there. Really?
3: I don't know. I think that we need to have these open discussions, uh, you know, and and gentle ones in order to at least find compassion in each other. Maybe it just starts with that and over time hopefully, you know, we'll find a way to to coexist without hurting each other. I think that that's kind of like all I'm trying to do. Um, And by no means, you know, I'm not trying to be like some huge activist to go and corral the Christians and and help them understand (laughs) LGBTQ
5: people. I definitely like what they're saying about, you know, that they don't hate people. And I would hope that they don't hate people. And how they're saying, I can see you as a person and I don't hate you for being a person, but... At the same time, there is kept saying the word lifestyle and yeah. every day must be a struggle for you. And they, it's like they want to save you. They think they're the hero.
3: <laughs> I don't want to be saved. I don't either. I want to stay in a nice, soft, pillowy, just <laughs> rainbows. And- right? <laughs> All right. Well, that was interesting. And, and that's what I love about the show is just, you know, uh, we talk to everybody and it's important to kind of get perspectives on different uh, Americans you know cuz years ago we weren't talking at all we weren't out as you know i do right know. yeah okay so moving on i always like to end the show with something much more um <laughs> much more fun much more active engaging uh so really quick you know i'm wondering you, you you grew up in this time where watching netflix is like a daily thing right a daily thing okay a daily thing yeah. okay so what what do you think of the gay, lesbian genre uh, on Netflix? It's so sad. It's so slim pickings,
5: but you want to watch it because you need your fix. You want to watch a gay show.
0: You know, yes. you can only watch
3: The L Word <laughs> so much. <laughs> so you've seen all seasons of The L Word? Of course. Okay. Favorite, uh, you know, person or character? Carmen. Carmen. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Carmen's hot. Carmen was a, uh, uh, <laughs> you just need to, yeah, if you're an L Word fan, you already know. Okay, so there are some bad films out there, uh, gay, lesbian genre. I don't know why it's so bad in the gay, lesbian either. genre. It's like really low, They're well, I low guess it's budget. low budget, Yeah. yeah. But the storylines are also very cheesy. Mm-hmm. Um, some bad ones that I want to note would be concussion, um, itty bitty titty committee. <laughs> that one I thought was bearable compared to other ones. Well, they follow you know this like weird storyline of like falling in love with a girl who's about to get married. Or, like, falling in love with your university professor, uh, I, you know. It, <laughs> I like the whole punk side of it. They've you like the get, punk side? Yeah, But the soundtrack. Uh, you know, if I can help you, there are some good ones, though, right? So, Blue is the Warmest Color. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, is a pretty good one. Bridegroom. Uh, Shane Bitney Crone, uh, who lost his partner, Tom Bridegroom, um, and he made a documentary of what happened. I definitely strongly suggest you watch that if you haven't. Okay. Uh, Edie Noted. and Thea. Uh, uh, you know, Edie Windsor being the person who sued the United States, in, which eventually led to the Defense of Marriage Act being repealed. Or uh, Boys Don't Cry. Oh, of course. That's a good one. That's, That's a good classic amazing. one for every LGBTQ person to see and allies. Chasing Amy. Ben Affleck. I couldn't get past the first twenty minutes. Really,
5: really? her voice is just
3: oh, you don't like it's you don't so like hot. squeaky, squeaky. Yeah, um, the kids are all right, even though I hate. I mean, with Julianne Moore, but I, and Annette Benning, I hate the fact that like the person who strays has to hook up with the dude. I don't remember the storyline. I just remember not liking it. Well, two lesbians who are together have kids, and it's all about the complex dynamic of lesbian parenting as well as parenting in general. Um, But anyway, uh, I I just hate any storyline where a lesbian has to stray and then it strays you with a man. I just feel like, why?
5: Or the lesbian movies are horror movies, and it's the girl that gets so in love with the one girl, and then she gets obsessed with her and wants to stalk her. <laughs> that's a really cliche lesbian storyline.
3: Uh, last one before we let everyone go. How about kissing Jessica Stein? Have you seen that one? That's I'm, that's a that, when I was in college, I, I like loved it, and then years later, as an a, you know adult and full blown lesbian, I go back to watch it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. It stars. Um, John Ham's girl, I forget her name, Jennifer or something. But anyway, she's like bisexual, curious, and she hooks up with this girl and has a passionate relationship and then they end up breaking up and she ends up with a guy and Of course. You know. That was the the beginning I think of queer films. You gotta always have the guy in there.
5: Well we really need we need a new one. There was a what, uh, indie movie with the girl from Gossip Girl. But again, she's the best friend that's a lesbian, but she is obsessed with the girl who has a boyfriend, <laughs> the straight girl.
3: She has a straight girl crush. Oh, yeah, you know. We can do better uh, than that. We can, we can. All right. Well, it's been it's been an incredibly interesting show, but at the same time, good, I think. It's open dialogue. If you have some thoughts or feelings about the show and, and, and the interviews that we've done, please let us know. Head to michellemiao.com. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter and yes Jax will be back. I like this estrogen filled room that thing we got going on. Sorry Dennis. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us. See you tomorrow.